Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we debunk the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. Today, I want to wish everyone a very happy IBCLC Day. So, woohoo! If you are in IBCLC, or even if you're just wanting to become an IBCLC, or if you have your favorite IBCLC that you want to give a shout out to, uh, well, I guess you can't really do that because I'm the host of the show and I have guests here. But I will give that shout out to say thank you to every IBCLC who has provided help for any family. I know that my guests would tell you that if they could. I know that everybody else on the planet would tell you that if they could. So I just want to say thank you for being here. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for listening. And As part of IBCLC Day, here's where I'm going. I have worked with literally thousands of people who have been uh, preparing to become an IBCLC. And one of the things that I've noticed is that their journey is all very different. Some people do it very quickly. Some people, it takes a long time. Some people, it was a walk in the park. For others, it was really a struggle. And so I brought you this evening three different people that I felt would be representative of three very different kinds of journeys. They've all come from a different place, and they all have very different positions. I'd like to start, please, with Debbie Betts. Debbie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Some of you may remember that Debbie Betts is a speech-language pathologist, and she was on a show previously where she talked about the implications for pacifiers. Now, Debbie came to my in-person course in Baltimore, or really just outside of Baltimore, Maryland, and I was very fascinated with everything that Debbie had to say. Partly because I I really didn't know many people who had been a speech-language pathologist who wanted to become an IBCLC. So, Debbie, could you give us just a little bit of an insight? First of all, uh, what motivated you to become an IBCLC? You already had a big job. You uh, knew what you were doing. You had a huge clientele. How was this certification something that you wanted to pursue? Well, I was working with a lot of children with special needs. Um, some of them, quite a few of them, had had Down syndrome. And over my 20 years of private practice, I kept seeing that the children that had been breastfed with Down syndrome were higher functioning cognitively. Um, their oral motor structure was more intact. They, their speech was better. And I started thinking, I would like to be there right at the beginning when they're first born to help moms and dads breastfeed their children. Wow. And, you know, one of the things that I remember asking you when you came to the course, I said, Debbie, wait, help me. Uh, 
a baby who is a newborn is not speaking. So why would I be taking my baby to a speech pathologist? But you really helped me to understand that the speech language pathologist has like a different set of tools and you do assessments and do treatments that the rest of us couldn't even begin to to know. We're not trained for it. We don't understand it. And I felt that that was something really special that you brought to the table. Um, Heather, if we could, please, I'd like to go to you. Let me tell you that Heather is a registered nurse, and she has been for many years. She also has a Bachelor of Science degree in nursing, but she also has an MBA. Now, what I remember about Heather is that Heather was perhaps the most outstanding scholarship winner that I have ever had. I remember, and I don't see the applications right off the bat. Uh, the committee kind of looks at them and they weed out the ones that they know just haven't met the criteria. Uh, but by the time that I got to looking at the best of the best applicants that year, immediately Heather's just jumped right out at me. And so when we came to looking for somebody for the show tonight, I thought, oh, I know just who I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask Heather Yoakum. Uh, Heather has been in both a hospital situation and she's also been in an outpatient situation. Uh, Heather, can you tell us what motivated you to get your IBCLC? Marie, thank you for your kind, kind words. Um, yeah, I would like to share. I When I was working on my BSN, um, I graduated in 2002. I did a week-long lactation course with an IBCLC, and I actually got to spend a day in the hospital with her. And I, from that moment, I was just intrigued. But the IBCLC to me seemed kind of out of reach. Um, and I went on to uh, work in labor and delivery and mom baby. Um, soon after that, I had my own baby and struggled with my own breastfeeding issues and was a night shift nurse, really just wanted the skills and abilities to be a better resource for the mom. And so that was my initial motivation to um, doing the IBCLC and um, definitely it, it, it has done that for me. Um, Heather, how long did it take you from the, t- the time that you decided to pursue your certification until the time you actually took the exam? So I um, accepted a position as a lactation consultant in a hospital in uh, March of 2012. And having an IBCLC was a requirement of the job. They gave me a certain amount of time to do that. And um, from that Time until I actually sat for the exam was about a year and eight months. Okay. All righty. Uh, for those of you who are wondering, uh, Heather, we give, well, we offer a scholarship every year. I never promise that we will give one. It always it occurs to me that maybe we might get somebody who just wasn't, there were just no eligible candidates. But I believe that we have given the scholarship every year since 2010. And I believe that Heather was the recipient in 2013. Heather, do you remember? So I, um, I, I found it actually after you contacted me. I submitted my uh, application to you on June 12, 2012, and so I was part of your 2000. Uh, 
oh year but then i right. did the, the class right. in february so it was a little a little bit later in your season um when i actually um finished the class but started right. in 2012 yes that's right you're absolutely right uh, well, for those of you who are wondering, the Felix Biancuzo Scholarship is offered annually to those who are seeking to become an IBCLC or a certified clinical lactationist. Now, the scholarship winner will get a complimentary tuition for one of my 90-hour lactation education courses. You could do either the hybrid one, which is a mixture of online and live. That's what Heather did. Or you could do my all-online one. It, the scholarship is for either one. So if you're eager to provide evidence-based lactation support for breastfeeding mothers and their babies, apply for the scholarship. You can tell real people actually got the scholarship, all right? And the application window is open from May 1st to May 31st, and the winner is announced on July 1st. So you can learn about the scholarship on my website, which is mariebiancuso.com. That's M-A-R-I-E-B-I-A-N-C-U-Z-Z-O dot com. So that brings me then to uh, Sarah Ortega. Sarah has a very different background. Sarah, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Uh, Sarah, correct me if I'm wrong, but as I understood it, you are not a nurse. You are not a speech language pathologist, correct? Correct. I do not have a background in the medical field at okay. all. Actually. And I'm guessing that you probably qualified through Pathway 3. Um, no, I believe I did Pathway 1. I was working under a physician. Is that right? <laughs> okay, well, we can revisit that. But uh, here's where no, I want to yes, know I'm is, sorry. is that you did, you did not come from a healthcare profession. And so I know that you had a baby who was born with a cleft, uh, was it cleft lip or cleft palate or both? It was both. Yes. Both, uh-huh. So you also came from that headset of children with special needs. Now, Debbie Betts, who was with us tonight, uh, looked at or, or has taken care of babies with Down syndrome for, I think she said, more than 20 years, but not because her own child had it, but because that's just what she did. I have been intensely interested in uh, kids with cleft lip and palate for years. That's just like really something that has really grabbed my attention because I find it, first of all, very challenging. Every cleft is different. It's not as though there's a one-size-fits-all. Fit all. So we know what motivated you to get into the IBCLC land. I'd be very curious, though, how long did it take you not being a healthcare professional? Well, it took me forever. Um, <laughs> and that's for a couple of different reasons. Um, when I first started on this path, I really um, had kind of thought, I do want to be an IBCLC one day, but I didn't have like a specific goal in mind for that day. So I was very content being a CLC, working with um, our local WIC agency and, and a pediatrician here in town. So uh, I really didn't have plans to do that, um, like to kind of follow through all the way. I had small kids at home and I even had older children, you know, trying to balancing, uh, trying to balance all four of them, you know, and returning to school for those science classes was not 
you know, part of my plan. So yeah, it took me all in all about eight years. Um, and oh. once I committed wow. to doing my science classes, it, that was about a year and a half until I sat for the actual exam. Yeah, and as I remember, weren't you the one that was doing this while you were getting your black belt? Yes, yes, that was fun. <laughs> yeah. You didn't have enough going with a child with special needs and prepping for a No, you didn't have enough. Right. Something else, right? Okay, I got it, Sarah. I know. I got it. Yeah. Uh-oh. Well, and you know, this well, is interesting the- because... I have heard other people who are not on that list. I think that there is a list of nine different professions that the IBCLC recognizes, excuse me, the IBLCE recognizes as being a healthcare professional. Of course, it's nurse, dietitian, speech language pathologist, dentist, physician, et cetera, et cetera. And you were not on that list. So you really had to start from the ground zero with getting those healthcare courses and you just said eight years. I'm immediately remembering a woman in in Dallas. That is, she took my live course in Dallas. And I, I know that you took my online course. But anyway, uh, I remember yes. that she said, it has been seven years that I have been waiting to come to this course. And I'm like, oh, my word, I just cannot imagine. I mean, that. did you feel like that was just a lot of, determination did you feel like there was any light at the end of the tunnel um I did because I was I was actually able to be working in the field you know at a, at a different capacity than I am right now okay. and so I still felt you know motivated because I was working with these you know families pretty much you know Monday through Friday and um so it was easier to plug along with that Okay. And I just felt like it was truly, you know, uh, training every day while also being able to help people. So okay. it really wasn't as discouraging as if I had said on day one, I'm going to be an IBCLC in 10 years. You know, I mean, that, yes. that would have been yes. exhausting. Well, <laughs> thank you for saying that. that be- I took it. Uh-huh. Well, thank you for saying that because often... I I talk to so many people or the folks in our office talk to people who feel like it's either going to be like quick, 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 and we're like, not necessarily, or they're so discouraged because they just haven't gotten there. And uh, as you, as we we hear you telling it through your eyes, it makes it sound like, well, yeah, you just keep on keeping on and, and there's reward along the way, certainly. Well, speaking of... IBCLCs, I would just like to alert every IBCLC who is listening that as a special for IBCLC Day, I am giving away, that is giving away, translation, free, F-R-E-E, my favorite four-letter F word, free SERPs, and here is what it is. It is Everyday Clinical Care for the LGBTQIA Family. It carries four LSERPs, and it is available at MarieBianCuso.com. That is MarieBianCuso.com. Each year in celebration of IBCLC Day, I do one free giveaway, and this year I'm offering this new program, Everyday Clinical Care for LGBTQIA Family. It is free. This program is worth four SERPs and contact hours for nurses 
And it is only available from March 1st until March 6th at MarieBiancuso.com, so don't delay. Well, you can get it later, but then you're going to have to pay for it later. So if you want it free, move along. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here with three wonderful IBCLC guests. We will be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with three outstanding IBCLCs from very different backgrounds. 
I have with me speech-language pathologist for many years, Debbie Betts. I have also with me registered nurse and MBA, Heather Yoakum, who was our scholarship winner in 2012, and also uh, Sarah Ortega, who did not come from a healthcare background, but very successfully did her IBCLC. And I want to point out, while the first two women did my hybrid course where I met them in person for a whole week, uh, Sarah, that was not the case. And I've never met Sarah, actually. She did my online course. So let me just tell you a little bit about my new online course. And I mean like new, like so new that The course is only within hours of being released while you are hearing this podcast. And it is um, a 90-hour lactation education course. It is all online, and it has just been launched at mariebiancuso.com. Now, included in the cost of this course is a newly required five-hour communication segment. So sign up today and you'll get something really special. We've never offered this before. It is access to office hours where I am available to answer your questions live as you work through your online 90-hour course. I challenge you to find another 90-hour course that provides this level of support. Probably something that Sarah Ortega wished she would have had. But anyway... um, (laughs) Didn't have that until just now. Debbie, I want to go back to you, please. Clearly, you were a very experienced clinician by the time that you came to IBCLC World. What did you find was the most difficult part of your preparation? I think I started out as a breastfeeding counselor, huh. and I thought maybe that would be enough. But for me, I felt that was more leading groups with moms then finding a place that would take an SLP rather than an RN that was that was difficult but um I did line up a wonderful position at a hospital in Silver Spring Maryland and what a team of lactation consultants there were 12 of them oh man at first, all of them were supervising me, which was very difficult. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. 12 I don't think some truly them. wanted to. And, I don't, <laughs> and keeping the records was challenging. And then we, we narrowed it down to like three people who I'm oh. still very close to and very much in touch with. And I learned so much from these wonderful people. I'm sure. Hey, you know, Debbie, this would be a good time for me to say that I went through a similar scenario with a woman who took my 90-hour course in Dallas some years ago. She was not a speech-language pathologist, but she was an occupational therapist. And she was singing the same song that you are. She said, they're not really interested in the occupational therapist. If anybody, it's going to be a nurse, but it's not going to be me, you know. And so I spent some time helping her to cook up a letter to, I can't remember who now, uh, whoever was, you know, the honcho. And so we did get her a spot, but I think that's a really important point to make sure that we all understand is that sometimes if you're not a nurse, you may find yourself like a little different. And the speech, uh, excuse me, the um Occupational therapist also had some 20 years experience, a master's degree, et cetera, et cetera, pretty much like your story, Debbie. Uh, And she just found it, yeah, a little difficult. Heather, you are a nurse. You were already in a hospital. 
What was your biggest difficulty with getting to the IBCLC? So because I was working with breastfeeding moms every day, getting the hands-on hours was not a challenge uh, for me. Um, But I think just getting the CE portion of it completed so that I could sit for the exam. And so being able to um, participate in your 90-hour class and being able to chip it away at that requirement just a little bit every day. Uh, I was uh, pretty busy. I was working on my master's and working and taking care of a family. And um, just being able to work on that at my convenience at midnight or 6 a.m., and being able to work on those classes and then being able to have that portion at the end um, with you in person and with all of the, I mean, we had women from all over the country. We had, uh, and we had a few international. Yes, <laughs> we had a real crew. We did in, in San Diego and it was, it was just wonderful and being able to spend time with them in discussion in class and being able to spend time with them outside of class um, was just a phenomenal experience. And so I think just, just the structure that your class provided for me um, was a huge, huge part in my successfully sitting for the exam. Oh, I'm so glad. Uh, I, you know, Heather, if my memory serves me correctly, I believe we had 42 people at the course that year. And they that were... Sounds exactly- Does that sound about right? Yeah. Uh, I know that they yeah. were from all over the country. We did have a couple of internationals as well. I remember one woman in particular, and uh, it certainly, it sounds to me like the live portion helped to pull together for you what I had offered online as the prep stuff. Absolutely, absolutely, and being just the discussion and being able to ask questions and um being able to just focus on that, I think that in the, you know that last week together when you don't have everything, work and family and all the other things pulling at you at the same time, just being able to get away and be in class and sit with other like-minded professionals is a huge part of it being successful for me. Yeah, you know, Heather, thanks for pointing that out because I know now, for instance, you got the scholarship. So your tuition yes. was paid, but you still had to do your travel and whatever else you had to do in order to keep your family, uh, I don't know if you had to pay for childcare or whatever, but nonetheless, there are other expenses, certainly. But uh, to me, that, that, as I've often said about the live experience, first you have some immersion, as you just pointed out, but also there is uh, the fact that you can talk with other people, not just the woman teaching in the front of the class. Oh, geez, though, Heather, was that the day that they gave me the uh, gave me the crown for being queen for a day? Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. I wasn't yes, sure if it yes. was your if it was your group or a different group, but yes, I. I I have pictures. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was hilarious. I I laughed so hard I cried. Uh, I want to go to Sarah. Sarah, it's interesting that we just left off with Heather talking about some of the perks of a hybrid class where she did have that week with me and with forty other forty one other people who were, as she said, like minded. Uh, tell me a little bit about what the uh, well. No, let's start with. What did you find the most difficult? You talked about the fact that it was a long haul, 
in the last segment, you said it was eight years. But if you had to point to just one or two things that were really difficult, that really stood out in your mind as, how am I going to get this done? What would it be? Uh, It would definitely be the science courses. Um, I put those off as long as possible. Um, and, and finally, when I, when I did it, I was almost like under a deadline because my position was going to be changing and just kind of the way that, that things were run, that re, that, um, certification was going to be required. So it was kind of a mad dash to do that, but then still maintaining that balance of work and taking care of my family and, you know, all of the other things. So yeah, those were definitely the most challenging. Sarah, what did you like the best about the journey that you were on? Oh, my gosh. I would have to say um, my friendship with my mentor, Robin, and um, just being able to to help families along the way and seeing what a difference it makes when you're able to work with, with these families so early on and yeah. just um, seeing that gratitude and all of the emotions that come with it, you know, um, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. I don't think there's anything else like it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Debbie, you were in a very different situation. You already kind of had your own thing going and you would have worked with those families probably no matter what, but what would you describe as the best part of your IBCLC journey? I think being with the moms and babies very shortly after they're born, um, working with moms with, I do a lot of the suck training, babies with disorganized sucks. Some babies just simply aren't sucking initially. And just helping them over that barrier is, is very satisfying. And and like we were saying, the cleft palate babies, I loved yeah. being pulled into those cases as well. Yes, yes, me too. As a matter of fact, I could envision myself doing that all day, every day. Mm-hmm. And I just... I have read so much, done so much, and and there are times when you just think, oh, man, this is so not working, but then something does work, and then you just feel like that was such a turning point. Heather, what about you? What would you say was one of the the most uh, enjoyable, gratifying, best parts of that journey uh, towards IBCLC-hood? Well, I think um, I think just being alongside the moms, being able to educate and empower, and you know, being there in those in those moments when I feel like it's a a critical time for decision making for the mom and for the family, um, and being able to provide them the the tips and the insight and the comfort and the reassurance. Um, that they need in the beginning, um, and I think the I think the companion or the mentorship between those uh, people training me I think was huge. Um, sharing that passion with other professionals is huge. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I would agree, uh, Debbie. I, I want to ask you uh, about in, in this journey. A question that I asked you when you were sitting in my live course, I said, uh, Debbie, where are you with uh, this whole bit with the tongue tie? Or maybe we were talking about tongue tie. 
And you and a colleague instantly tripped right up and said, wait, 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 wait a minute. We can help those kids. This is not a show about tongue ties. So we can't get into this too deep. Although, although Debbie, yes. <laughs> maybe that's an invitation for another, <laughs> another show. <laughs> oh, my. Um, yes. Can you give us just the short glimpse of what is it that the speech pathologist can do for these kids that the registered nurse or the IBCLC cannot do? I think look at the child as a whole. This is what I would like the regular IBCLC and the RN to do as well. But look at the child as a whole. I've, I've been seeing many um, of babies that have had their tongues clipped. They were diagnosed with tongue tie where they actually have their lower jaw has not fully grown out to match the upper jaw which makes the tongue seem more posterior in the mouth. So these babies have gone through this and then they suffer later um, with all of the recovery and the exercises that mom and dads do and, and to no avail. So at that point I intervene and help with suck training and help moms generally a nipple shield works great, but to, to just help them until four to five months when that jaw has grown out, then that child is fine. Mom's fine. Breastfeeding becomes much easier. So I think from that perspective, the tongue tie, I just want, there are cases where I absolutely believe in clipping the tongue. One of the things that's being used is they're saying, oh, it's going to affect the speech later. And in 20 years, I had my private practice. I only sent one child to have the tongue clip. So I think it's being jumped on too quickly. There's not a lot of evidence-based information, many different uh, People in the medical profession are clipping tongues different ways. There's no agreement on which way is best. So there's a lot of concern. Lots of controversy about that. But I think the short message I would like to give our listeners is before you go and jump to getting the baby's tongue clipped, you might want to have a chat or a visit with your friendly neighborhood speech pathologist uh, because it, yeah. Debbie really convinced me that her assessment is different. Uh, well, not necessarily the results, but the approach of her assessment is very different. And in the meanwhile, she can help some, maybe not all of these kids, but it was one of the reasons why I was so fascinated with talking to Debbie. Uh, for those of you who are wondering... Ah, what else has Marie got on the uh, IBCLC hood? Well, let me tell you, if you are looking back, you might want to listen to a podcast I did on September 16th, 2019, and that was titled 50 Most Common Questions Asked About the IBLCE Exam. And by the way, where did I get those questions? From people just like you. I did not make them up. They're the ones that I've heard over many years. Looking forward, For those of you who are interested in hospital-based IBCLC kinds of roles, I will be talking with Paula Hanna this month. Next month, I will be talking with Judy Eastburn about private practice IBCLC. And I'll also be talking with Melissa Wong about how to get the most out of your online course. And that will be the following month. So just letting you know, there's lots more to come. There's been some stuff before. So there is plenty to keep you busy if you are interested in becoming an IBCLC and you are on that journey. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. (music) 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, and I have with me today uh, three guests, Heather Yoakum, Debbie Betts, and Sarah Ortega. They're talking to you about their journey to becoming an IBCLC. So often, I find that people are a little bit afraid of taking that journey. They put it off. I remember one woman in Atlanta one time said to me she had waited 17 years to become an IBCLC. And she'd been a La Leche League leader all of that time, too. And I said to her, hey, look at you know, help me here. <laughs> How did it take you 17 years? 
And she said, well, really two things. I was raising kids. And also, I wasn't really sure what I had to do or what it would be like. And a little bit of that fear of the unknown. So I'm hoping that our three guests today have given you some insight into what that journey has been like. And I I think it's been a little bit different for all of them. Uh, But I would like to talk about that 90-hour course. And Heather, if I could start with you, because you started to address this. You said that uh, you liked doing, so I usually refer to it as my live course, but the truth of the matter is it's really a hybrid course where you did some audio, some video, whatnot, uh, in preparation for the live session. Then you came for the week-long interactive portion in San Diego. Uh, you mentioned that you liked some of the short segments because you could do, I know that some of those segments are only six minutes long. A lot of them are 12 minutes long. It sounds like that flexibility was was good for you, but what else did you feel was profitable, helpful about the 90-hour course? I think, you know, like you mentioned, just the being able to work on it a little bit at a time at my convenience. I you know, in the video segments, um, you gave us a keyword that we would enter at the end and then we would take a quiz. And I thought that preparation um, for sitting for the exam was huge. And if I remember right, the course itself was the blueprint for the exam. So, so Heather, I lost you there. Excuse here. me. What did you say? Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. We can hear you now. Okay. So I was just saying that um, in the videos that we would watch online that you would provide us with a code word that we could provide to access our quiz, if I remember that right. And uh-huh. I think right. those quiz were uh, a great help in actually preparing to sit for the exam. And so being able to study it, being able to watch the video, being able to take the quiz um, is, is great preparation for sitting for the exam. And I think, um, if I remember right, the course is called the blueprint for the exam and, um, being able to, it's now called the detailed content outline, but in your day it was called the blueprint. Yes, you're correct. And it covers all of those. Yeah. And I think, Just looking at that list without having some structure of the course behind me, it's it's very intimidating. (laughs) Um, But being able to get a little bit of time and then being able to have you as a resource, being able to look at it. And then if I remember right, we looked at my score even after I I got my results back. And uh, the courses really did that full circle for me. You were there to help me prepare. You were there um, for a week that we got to learn and study and ask questions. And then even after the exam to go over results. Well, thank you, Heather, for pointing that out. And you just said full circle. And you know, I can't really say that I've ever realized that, but I do endeavor to pull things together from top to bottom. Uh, You mentioned what used to be the blueprint. It's now the uh, detailed content outline with all of those different disciplines and different chronological areas. You mentioned intimidating, and I've never really thought of that, but you're right. Uh, As I have just revised my online course, I spent well over 90 hours just planning the course. Uh, 
And I don't mean creating the content or the slides or the any of the handouts or any of that. No, 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 no. Just looking at all of those competencies and all of those disciplines and all of those chronological areas where um, it was intimidating, I guess, for me just to ask myself, what do these people really need? I cannot imagine planning that out for yourself if you'd never taken the test. Would you agree? I would totally agree. I, I just wanted to show you, I dug out my binder from 2012. I still have it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they're a great resource. So you're still using that as a resource. Mm-hmm. Heather, that's pretty funny because we have massively, we have massively redone that. I'll make myself a note and see if maybe we can send you one that we're using in Orlando this year. Uh, for those of you who are wondering, I will be doing the course in Dallas and Orlando and Baltimore. I think that's about all that's up and coming, but yes. Uh, Debbie, I, I want to ask you. Now, that was a smaller group. I remember that you were sitting in the second row. What did you like best about the the course? I appreciated the online course. Actually, I appreciated you, your picture, your actually being a video of you teaching the course at times. It made me feel more connected. Not really? Absolutely. You're, you're wonderful with that. Okay. And, and then I really appreciated, I drove from Bethesda to Baltimore every day to see you in person, to see the, meet the other people that were taking the course. I thought that was phenomenal. For me, that last week was pivotal. It, pivotal. Okay. Yes, it, helped pull it, it helped pull everything together. We had all of the questions answered. And people had their, uh, all the different, they were all different health backgrounds from what I remember. Oh, it was a lot. Yeah, it was very it diverse. Was, yeah. It was really quite diverse. And everybody had their own segments that they could talk about or things that they appreciated. It helped pull some of the details out that we actually had with the online course. Wow. Well, that's really great because that is one of my objectives is to pull things together. But I guess I hadn't realized it quite as you explained it just now. And Debbie, I really didn't have a clue that you had driven from Bethesda. (laughs) Uh, I mean, that's a kind of hefty drive, especially in the traffic. Yes. And, and not to be too nosy, but did you pay for the course out of pocket yourself? I did. It was and worth it was, every penny. Okay, that was my next question. Yeah, I, oh. I would recommend it to anybody. I think you covered everything. In fact, my notes, I actually put them in separate binders. So when I came to studying for the exam, I had them according to, this is just how I am. I had according to <laughs> what area that we covered. You know, the medications, yeah. all of them were in a separate notebook that I could just pull and study, and it, it helped as well for the exam. Um, yeah, one of the things I really aim to do, you know, we offer that $50 coupon for uh, the review course, but I tell people, you might not need the review course at all. If you just sit home and just go through all of the stuff that I gave you in the comprehensive course, you can review yourself, you know. Uh, now, sometimes that's not realistic. Sometimes there's been a big lag time between the time that they take the comprehensive course and when they actually take the exam. And in that case, uh, yeah, they probably need to spend a little Marie time. 
Uh, now, Sarah, I'm dying to hear from you because we get very, very little feedback about my all online course, and yet I have just revised it. It is brand new out of the box, like it's it's hours old as we speak. But so I'm just thinking, boy, I hope I didn't screw up and pull anything out that I should have left in. But what, Sarah, what was your impression? Why did that course work for you? I would say the course as a whole was helpful because it provided just the structure um, to, like um, they said before, you know, working at your own pace, but then also having some guidance. So it wasn't just taking an hour here, an hour there. I feel like that's not the best way to get, you know, the well-rounded information. Yeah. Um, If you're just pulling from like different, I don't know. I don't like, doing that I've had to do that for you know just some CEUs here and there but I feel like it's almost taking things out of context oh it's very out of context yeah yeah so it's really nice just having it all in one place and you know like I said working at your own time and then using it for the study and and preparing for the exam um I often wondered if during the all online course there's very little opportunity for feedback. Did that bother you? So it didn't bother me. Um, and again, I think that my situation is a little bit different. I work directly under my mentor. So it was, you know, I have that um, advantage to be able to bounce things off of her oh, and ask true, questions true. and okay. things like that. But had I been doing it completely like by myself, then I don't think that that would have worked well for hard. me because. Yeah, you know, I thrive on the feedback um, aspect. So, yeah, I I think if my situation was different, it would not have have been as effective. Sarah, this year I'm offering office hours for people that take that 90-hour all-online course. If you had had the opportunity to take advantage of office hours with Marie, would you have done it? Yes, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Because that's what I'm concerned about. Um, Debbie and Heather both took a course where if people had questions, they just put their hand in the air. And I would say, with rare exception, I get to everybody's question. I rarely blow somebody off. Occasionally, somebody's really talky, and then I kind of have to move on. But uh, I think that feedback is important. The way I've designed this new course is that I've given people more learning exercises so they can sort of, you know, be their own alter ego-like. But uh, I I think it's hard sometimes to just be studying with yourself. Uh, But clearly you did it. And as I recall, Sarah, you passed on first try, yes? Yes, I did. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Very good. Very good. Thank you. Uh, We only have a few minutes left. But I'd kind of like to wrap up with, Debbie, if I could start with you, please. Uh, If you had it to do over again, is there anything you would do differently in your journey to becoming an IBCLC? No. I think everything that I did to lead into this kind of helped on my journey, being the breastfeeding counselor helped understand from a mom's perspective after the babies were born and they were becoming more established. And then the hospitals just 
I just absolutely love every day I walk into that hospital. <laughs> yeah. So I think, great. yeah. And I think your course was just perfect at that point when I was still working full time, I was able to take the course as well. Uh-huh. Okay, good. Thank you. Heather, how about you? Is there anything you would have done differently? No, I don't think there was anything I would do differently. I um, I was honored to be chosen by you for the scholarship, and I think that was a bit of a motivator for me. And oh, okay. um, being able to learn it and being able to practice it every day along the way was is huge. Um, and I, I, I was looking at this beforehand and was thinking, what is the journey really like? And I think for me, you think about breastfeeding 24-7 all the time. You're thinking about breastfeeding. You're studying it and doing it and helping moms. And um, for me, that was that was just what concreted everything for me and helped me along that journey. Okay. All righty. Uh, Sarah, I'm thinking there's one thing you might have wanted to do differently. I don't think you ever applied for the scholarship. No, I don't think that I did. Um, okay, that's one thing you should have done differently, girl. <laughs> yeah, that would have been nice. It would have been helpful. <laughs> you can't you can't win unless you apply. That is but, true. Uh, yes. Is there anything else you would have done differently in your journey to becoming an IBCLC? You know, I don't think so. If you, you know, look at paper, you know, look on paper, just kind of the path that I took and the way that I did this. I think it'd be easy to say like, yes, I wish I would have taken my science courses sooner to kind of speed that process up. But at the same time, I'm just, you know, forever grateful for the experience that I've been able to um, get along the way and, you know, and how much that influences what I do every day. So I think just as a whole, I'd have to say that, you know, I'm very happy with the way that it, that it worked out and, and all of that experience that came along with it. Mm -hmm. Okay. I hear you talking, all three of you, and I'm thinking my journey to becoming an IBCLC was totally different. I woke up one morning and said to my boss, you know, I've been doing this job for how long? I think maybe I ought to get my certification. And she said, oh, yeah, good idea. And so (laughs) I had my clinical hours. I obviously had my health sciences. And she sent me uh, to a course where, you know, quite honestly, it was a snore. I did not learn anything I didn't already know. But I came away from it saying, if I were going to prepare people for the IBCLC exam, I would go about this totally different. And of course, I totally did. And uh, so my journey was actually kind of boring. But my coming out at the other end, it really helped me to meet people where they're at, regardless of their background. You know, the three of you are all very different. Uh, but I'm really committed to getting people to pass on the first try. That's always my mantra, how to pass on the first try. Well, thank you. This hour has gone very, very fast. But thank you to speech pathologist and IBCLC, Debbie Betts. Thank you to registered nurse and IBCLC, Heather Yoakum. And also, thank you to Sarah Ortega, IBCLC. Thank you so much for being here and helping me to celebrate IBCLC Day. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. And for all the rest of you, just remember, happy IBCLC Day. And in the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week.
Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. 